Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 1 podcast. In this episode, we go over the topic of endocarditis from the cardiovascular section on MedBullets.com. Let's start this episode with a clinical snapshot. A 50-year-old man presents to the emergency room for a fever that has persisted for several days. He denies any history of intravenous drug use or any congenital heart disease. Physical exam reveals nail bed splinter hemorrhages, Osler nodes on his fingers, and Janeway lesions on his palms and soles. Heart auscultation reveals a new murmur. An echocardiogram shows vegetations on the mitral valve, and blood cultures that were drawn 12 hours apart were positive for Streptococcus bovis. Antibiotic therapy is started, and he is scheduled for a colonoscopy. Let's now get into the topic. Let's start with a clinical definition. Endocarditis is inflammation of the heart valve, typically secondary to infection. In terms of epidemiology and location, it is more common in the mitral valve than the tricuspid valve. Tricuspid valve disease is associated with intravenous drug use, which causes infections by Staphylococcus aureus, Pseudomonas, and Candida. The main risk factors of endocarditis are rheumatic heart disease, IV drug use, immunosuppression, prosthetic heart valve, and congenital heart disease. Let's now discuss the various different etiologies of the different types of endocarditis. Acute endocarditis is caused by Streptococcus pneumoniae, Streptococcus pyogenes, Neisseria gonorrhea, and Staphylococcus aureus. Staphylococcus aureus is more common in IV drug users and causes large vegetation seen on the valves. Subacute bacterial endocarditis is characterized by slower onset and less severe symptoms. Causes of subacute bacterial endocarditis include Streptococcus bovis or Gallolyticus, Enterococcus, Streptococcus viridans, Staphylococcus epidermidis, and Candida albicans. Streptococcus bovis or Gallolyticus usually occurs in the setting of colon cancer. Enterococcus usually occurs in the setting of gastrointestinal or genitourinary procedures. Streptococcus viridans is often a complication of dental procedures. It makes dextrans, which binds to fibrin platelet aggregates on the heart valves. Staphylococcus epidermidis is often in the setting of prosthetic valves, and Candida albicans usually occurs in IV drug users. There are two main types of non-infectious endocarditis, Libman-Sachs endocarditis and Morantic endocarditis. Libman-Sachs endocarditis arises from systemic lupus erythematosus, and it mainly has mitral or aortic valve involvement. Morantic endocarditis occurs from metastatic cancer seeding to the valves, and it has a very poor prognosis. With regards to the pathogenesis of endocarditis, endothelial damage on the surface of the cardiac valve can cause a thrombus to form. Factors include turbulent blood flow that can damage the endothelium or deposition of fibrin platelet aggregate on damaged endothelium. Bacteria can then adhere to the thrombus. Vegetations are caused by further depositions of fibrin and platelets. In terms of prognosis, it often presents as fever of unknown origin. Endocarditis prophylaxis may be required before dental procedures. Let's now talk about the clinical presentation including symptoms and physical exam findings of endocarditis. Symptoms include persistent fever, which is the most common symptom, shortness of breath, systemic symptoms such as weakness, fever, and malaise, and physical exam findings include new murmur on auscultation, the following findings would be seen from emboli, roth spots, which are retinal hemorrhages on fundoscopy, Janeway lesions, which are erythematous and non-tender macules on the palms or soles, and nail bed splinter hemorrhages. The following physical exam findings occur from immune complex deposition. 
osler nodes, which are tender nodules on the fingers or toes, and glomerulonephritis. In terms of diagnostic imaging, echocardiography is the main indication for all patients. Findings on echocardiography would be vegetations on the valves. Let's now talk about diagnostic evaluation, including labs, and making the diagnosis of endocarditis. In terms of lab studies, you would need positive blood cultures drawn at least 12 hours apart or multiple positive cultures, at least 3 out of 4, with the first and last drawn at least 1 hour apart. A complete blood count would show anemia, and serum creatinine should be ordered to evaluate renal function due to the risk of glomerulonephritis. Making the diagnosis is based on clinical presentation and the Duke criteria. The pathologic criteria include culture of the organism and histologic evidence of endocarditis from vegetation or intracardiac abscess. The clinical criteria include one of the following, two major criteria, one major and three minor criteria, or five minor criteria. If blood cultures are negative, but echocardiography shows endocarditis, consider one of the causes of culture-negative endocarditis, or CNE. These include Coxiella brunetti, Bartonella species, and the Hassock organisms, which include Haemophilus, Aggregatobacter, Cardiobacterium, Echinella, and Kingella. Let's now review the various different major and minor Duke criteria. Major criteria include positive blood cultures from two separate blood cultures drawn at greater than 12 hours apart or three out of four blood cultures that are positive with the first and the last samples drawn one hour apart, and abnormal echocardiogram with vegetation, abscess, or partial dehiscence of a prosthetic valve. Minor criteria include fever, presence of risk factors including intravenous drug use, structural heart disease, prosthetic heart valve, dental procedures, or history of endocarditis, vascular phenomena including Janeway lesions, emboli, mycotic aneurysm, and conjunctival hemorrhage, immunologic phenomena including glomerulonephritis, Osler nodes, and Roth spots, positive blood cultures not meeting a major criterion, and echocardiographic findings consistent with endocarditis but not meeting a major criterion. The main differential as part of your differential diagnosis should be osteomyelitis, and the distinguishing factor for this is that although this can present as fever of unknown origin, it typically lacks other findings of endocarditis and will not have vegetations on echocardiography. Let's now talk about the treatment of endocarditis. In terms of management approach, the choice of antibiotics ultimately depend on the causative agent and susceptibility as well as the presence of prosthetic material in the heart. All antibiotics should be given intravenously. Medical treatment involves vancomycin plus ceftriaxone or gentamicin alone or vancomycin plus gentamicin and rifampin. The indications for vancomycin plus ceftriaxone or gentamicin alone are for patients with no prosthetic valve and as empiric antibiotic therapy. The indications for vancomycin plus gentamicin and rifampin are for patients with prosthetic valve and as empiric antibiotic therapy. Operative therapy involves surgical valve replacement and the indications of this are heart failure, patients who are refractory to medical therapy, abscess formation, and conduction disturbance. Complications of endocarditis include cardiac complications and neurologic complications. Cardiac complications include perivalvular abscess, arrhythmias, and heart failure. Neurologic complications include stroke. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. 
First question. A 35-year-old woman with a medical history significant for asthma, hypertension, and occasional IV drug use comes to the emergency department with fever. On physical exam, there are subungual splinter hemorrhages for which the patient cannot account. What test will be most helpful to establish the diagnosis? 1. Echocardiography 2. Chest X-ray 3. Pulmonary function tests 4. Electrocardiogram or 5. CT pulmonary angiography. And the correct answer choice is answer choice 1. Echocardiography. Fever, subungual splinter hemorrhages, and history of IV drug abuse raise concern for infective endocarditis. An echocardiogram will likely confirm the diagnosis by demonstrating a valvular vegetation. Remember, splinter hemorrhages and infective endocarditis are the result of microemboli from valvular vegetations. Splinter hemorrhages appear as red to black small thin longitudinal lines under the nail plate. They represent rupture of the longitudinally oriented nail bed capillaries. The most common causes of splinter hemorrhages are trauma and nail psoriasis. However, splinter hemorrhages may be associated with other chronic dermatoses involving the nail, for example lichen planus and more rarely with systemic illness such as infective endocarditis. Let's now review two citations related to this topic. The first citation by Pierce et al. note the risk factors for infective endocarditis. Prominent risk factors include congenital or structural heart disease, prosthetic heart valve, IV drug use, and recent invasive procedure. Pre-existing structural heart abnormalities are present in up to 75% of patients diagnosed with infective endocarditis. The second citation by Brush and Weinstein note that left-sided endocarditis is far more common than right-sided. Most cases of right-sided endocarditis occur on the tricuspid valve in persons who use injection drugs. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Answer choice 2, chest x-ray can occasionally reveal important diagnostic clues, such as septic pulmonary emboli, but would not show a valve vegetation, which indicates active endocarditis. Answer choice 3, Pulmonary function tests would help diagnose asthma but not infective endocarditis. Answer choice 4, EKGs or electrocardiogram rarely reveals diagnostic findings of infective endocarditis but may help determine the presence of emboli to the coronary circulation if there are ischemic changes. And finally, answer choice 5, CT pulmonary angiography would help diagnose pulmonary embolus or PE but not infective endocarditis. Sometimes PE is a complication of infective endocarditis, but unlikely in the patient in this scenario. Next question. A 24-year-old male is brought into the emergency department complaining of chills, headaches, and malaise for several days. He also states that he experiences shortness of breath when climbing two flights of stairs in his home. He admits to occasionally using intravenous drugs during the previous year. On exam, his vital signs are temperature of 39.2 degrees Celsius, heart rate of 108 per minute, blood pressure of 124 over 82 millimeters of mercury, respiratory rate of 20 per minute, and oxygen saturation of 98% on room air. A hollow systolic murmur is heard near the left lower sternal border. An echocardiogram confirms vegetations on the tricuspid valve. What is the most likely causative organism of this patient's condition? 1. Streptococcus bovis. 2. Staphylococcus epidermidis. 3. Streptococcus mutans. 4. Staphylococcus aureus. Or 5. 
Candida albicans. And the correct answer choice is answer choice 4, Staphylococcus aureus. The clinical presentation is consistent with acute bacterial endocarditis secondary to IV drug abuse. The most common organisms responsible for this condition is Staphylococcus aureus. Remember, acute bacterial endocarditis is a high virulence condition in which large vegetations rapidly form on a heart valve. It is often associated with hematogenous spread of Staph aureus, which was introduced into the bloodstream by intravenous drug use. Staph aureus is introduced into the venous system and colonizes the right-sided heart valves, most commonly the tricuspid valve. A new onset regurgitant murmur, as explained above, will result. In contrast to the prolonged onset of subacute bacterial endocarditis, acute bacterial endocarditis typically presents with high fevers, chills, and rigors over a period of less than one week. Potential complications include septic emboli to the lungs, perforation of the valve, and rupture of the chordae tendineae. Other clinical manifestations include painless erythematous macules on the palms, which are called Janeway lesions. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Answer choice 1, strep bovis is a cause of infective endocarditis with an association with colon cancer. Answer choice 2, staph epidermidis is a cause of infective endocarditis in patients with prosthetic heart valves. Answer choice 3, strep mutans may cause infective endocarditis after a patient undergoes a dental procedure. It typically presents subacutely with shortness of breath and mild fevers developing over a period of weeks to months. It may be caused by any organism in the Streptococcus viridans family. Strep mutans typically colonizes previously damaged heart valves, such as those in patients with mitral valve prolapse. And finally, answer choice 5, Candida albicans is not a common cause of infective endocarditis. And that's all for this review about endocarditis. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on MedBullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the MedBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from these MedBullets Step 1 podcasts so far, please consider leaving us a 5-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you are not already, be sure to follow MedBullets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullets Step 1 podcast.